Hi, folks. You've tuned in to Living with a Genius. I'm your host, Omar Crook. Today, I had the good fortune of interviewing countertenor John Holliday. Uh, he and I met at LA Opera. He was singing uh, the role of the witch in Dido and Aeneas. And it was the first time I'd ever been on stage with a countertenor. So I was really excited uh, to meet with him. He's here in Los Angeles on vacation, and he was gracious enough to give me an hour of his time to sit down and have a really nice chat. Anyway, he's a cool guy and a very accomplished singer, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Thanks for listening. Is that better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I've been, like I said, I've, I'm just starting to work on this, uh, on this Brahms stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which I've never done. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I'm kind of transitioning in my voice right now a little bit. Yeah. And going back to voice lessons. Oh, hey, that's always so, exciting. You know, it's fine. Yeah. So there are a couple things I do want to ask you. Like, yeah. where? Tell me about you growing up. What was? It, did you have a musical family? Are you recording already? Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's quick, you guys. Uh, no, I I did grow up in a musical family. My grandmother was the music minister at my church. Uh, my home church of Calvary Way Missionary Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. And that's where you grew up? In that's Houston? where I grew up uh-huh. in Houston. I'm from Houston, mm-hmm. uh, a native Houstonian. And with her being a musician in church, I call my grandmother lovingly Big Mama. That's just what I grew up calling her. <laughs> and whatever Big Mama told you to do, you did it without yep, question. Sure, sure. So I always uh, was in choir, and I remember being one of the only children in the adult choir. Really? So I've sung forever, but yes, I've come from a musical family. My and did you sing as a boy soprano? I did sing as a boy soprano. Uh-huh. I was a soprano always in chorus uh-huh. in, ch- in church choir. Even in high school, my very first year of high school, I was a soprano, and then I switched to be a tenor my sophomore, junior, and senior year. Why? Because your voice really no, like not because no, of nothing. my voice. You know, the only nice way to say it is that there were, there were many, many sopranos. <laughs> who were like, we don't, you know, we would love it for John to sing tenor. Because I think there were so many of their solos that that I was singing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it became a, a, a point of that. They, It was more amenable for me to be a tenor instead of having the whole soprano sections against me. Sure, sure. So, so that was that was cool as a, as a high school kid, but I didn't know anything, I didn't think anything of it. Now, I don't know I a lot about the counter tenor. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but I don't know that much about Mm-hmm. How the countertenor, uh, I mean, I, I have an idea that it's mm-hmm. a, a reinforced falsetto mm-hmm. uh, once you get up to a certain part Point. of your register. Mm-hmm. But when you were in high school mm-hmm. um, and you were singing tenor, did you use your full voice? Yeah, I used my full voice. Uh-huh. And, and for me, uh, if we take a step back and talk about the countertenor voice, for me, it's not a falsetto. Mm-hmm. I've been scoped many times by ENTs, even here in Los Angeles. I go to see. Um, one of the doctors here. Madison uh, Richardson? Not Madison Richardson. She's, I forgot her name, Sanjay Gupta, I think. Mm-hmm. Or something Gupta. Mm-hmm. I think Sanjay is on CNN or something. Right, right, right. But I know anyway, what you mean, Dr. Yeah. Gupta, she's yeah. somewhere here in, in LA and she's one of my favorite ENTs. Um, and even she, upon scoping my course, she said, Oh, you must really sound like a soprano. The very first time I had my chord scope was by Wendy LaBorne, uh, and she's at CCM, Cincinnati uh-huh. College Conservatory of Music in Cincinnati. Sure. And as a graduate student and as even an undergrad, 
they make you get your chords scoped so that you have a baseline, so that you know what your chords look like and if they're healthy when or When you're healthy. young and, yeah. So you know sure. what they're like. And, and what I found out recently is because now I'm also a professor. It's very new to me. Really? But um, Wendy came and did a master class at my university, and she said, you know, we started this program at CCM this year, which was like one of my first years there, to have a baseline for the students so that when they got to their professional careers – if something happened, we could say, okay, That's what's right. happening now? With that this particular set of vocal cords. Exactly. Uh-huh. What wasn't happening here. Uh-huh. You know, they were healthy and going on. Right. So. so it's less academic and really practical. Really like practical. You can really see the vocal cords. You can cords. really yeah. see. And so, yeah, for me, it's, it's my full voice and real voice throughout. Wow. Um, and I think one of the things that I had to get used to is that that was my voice. Um, and that there really were no transitions um, um, cross-registrally. Like, really, there it was just fine. I had to – what I had to learn as a graduate student was how to make it more seamless. I think I always had it, uh-huh. but just making it more of a seamless connection from bottom to top. So when so, did you start singing female roles? I started singing – Was that at, uh, at CCM? I think at CCM I started singing countertenor roles uh, there – as Ptolemyo and Julius Caesar, which I'll, I'll, I will repeat that mm-hmm. in the spring, I think, of 2017 with Boston Baroque. Right. That was the very first role I did. Um, actually, I take that back. When I was at SMU, SMU did Johnny Skiki, and I played little Gerardino. You're and kidding. I just sang, sure. Johnny Skiki. That was my first little thing I ever did. Um, but as a real role, Ptolemyo was my very first. And then, uh, so you went from singing male roles to Mm -hmm. singing female roles overnight basically well yeah i mean i think now when you say female roles do you mean like real female roles or do you mean just like pants roles or roles of countertenor rep yeah i think what i'm leading to is how do you psychologically get into a space where you're comfortable singing a role that was written as a woman I do you mean like for the Dido or yeah, like for Dido? Yeah, for exactly. Dido. What I what I envisioned for Dido is that really that there was a bit of androgyny that it wasn't either a female or a male uh-huh. that there was some in betweenness. I see in that character that it was neither male or female, but it was just a being. Sure, and that being yeah, represented. It supernatural yeah, and, yeah, it was very uh-huh. supernatural and uh-huh. represented something that may have been mystical, a little bit evil, mm-hmm. uh, which is fun to play because it's not me. Mm-hmm. But uh, my approach in that was simply just trying to be the best uh, sorceress that I could be. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, I don't know how to sing this type of role. I've never played a sorceress. I've never played a witch. I've never played that evil of a person. Uh And my immediate thought, it's so funny because I've never met her or anything, but I adore her artistically and think that she's a phenomenal actress. But I thought, what would Meryl Streep do? <laughs> you know, Meryl Streep would, she would get into character and she would do these things and do them with a plum and it'd be fine. Sure. And so I kind of thought like that. But as far as singing a female role, that's the only thing I've ever done oh, it is. that could be ever really considered a female role. But I do know... Before me, I don't know the people who have done it, but there have been other countertenors who have sung the role of the sorcerers That's, yeah, and right. witches and all that. But I was lucky to have such a phenomenal time here doing it. It's still, it still has been with me. It's one of my highlights, even yeah. just as a chorister, man. I love that show. Yes, we sat next I, to I each other. I thought it was so beautiful. And I've got to say, you were always so 
it's I, you know I don't know I'm I'm a real people person uh-huh. and I love meeting people who are also people yes people yes and they're hard to come by they actually. are they and are. we've kept in touch and you're always yes. so warm and so I anyway I just really appreciate that thank you're, you you're, very you're, much you're just a very nice guy I appreciate that did you when you started getting into counter tenor rep did you mm-hmm. have any singers that you looked up to when you were kind of getting your feet wet with that whole as idea? far as counter tenor singers. I have always looked up to, once I discovered what that voice was, I looked up to Andreas Scholl mm-hmm. and David Daniels. Mm-hmm. Um, Derek, Derek Lee Reagan, to me, has really been someone whom I have held really dear because he was another African-American singer and he was an African-American countertenor mm. and has done so many wonderful things and has such a beautiful voice. Mm-hmm. And every person that I have just listed has a wonderful voice too but for me it was important for me to see someone who looked like me sure and to hear someone who looked like me to kind do what the path to set you. the path yeah, for yeah. me to do that now mm-hmm. i've never met derek mm-hmm. um but i know people who know derek lee reagan and he is just someone if i do meet him i probably he i probably cry because he has <laughs> meant so much to me but i have been so fortunate god has really blessed me to be able to see the day where I can call David Daniels a friend. Like, he is someone who is literally a good friend of mine. I would say even a great friend. I can call him at any time. He calls me at any time of the day or night, and we just talk about our experiences as countertenors. Now, does he produce his sound the same way that you do? I don't know, because I haven't seen David's chords. I don't know, but I would say David's probably the same as me. I see. You know, I mean, and, and then there are differences, so I don't know. If David's listening, I don't, I don't know David. I love you. But, you know, but I, 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 I believe that he probably does the same thing. Yeah, it, I, I think I've always imagined that countertenors transition into this, like I said, like a fortified falsetto. There are some that do. I see. There are some that do. I see. Because it, it seems to me that the, the, I guess my idea of what a countertenor was, it's, it's definitely different now after I've talked to you. Mm-hmm. I've always assumed that they were really, had more of a baritonal speaking voice mm-hmm. or a baritonal range mm-hmm. with this low falsetto. Okay. And see, for me, I was never a baritone. Right. Um, and you can hear it in your speaking voice. I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's high. a higher voice. You know, whenever I would go out to restaurants, if we go to a drive-through or something, and I'm traveling along, you know, going from New York to Texas, driving to mm-hmm. my family, mm-hmm. if we pull into a, a store and order something on the the drive-through. I always, I always, without fail, get someone to say, "Oh, thank you, ma'am." Pull up to the next window. <laughs> when I always think I sound kind of, you know, I don't think kind of. I sound masculine, but I know that my speaking voice is higher than most men's sure. voices. I mean, I'm a tenor, um, and I have a lower speaking voice. For yes, sure. and so it definitely is something that um, that exists out there where you know my voice is high, but it's not. I don't think it's like freakishly high. No. Now my singing voice is really high. Super high. Yeah, I do have a very high voice. Yeah. So yeah. Now yeah. going into a soprano range, what's the what's where do you top out at? I would say in concert, I have never sung a C. Mm-hmm. Or a soprano a, high C. A yeah. high soprano mm-hmm. high C, but I could. Jeez. I definitely have the notes. I can sing a D. Um, and so it's just, you know, how, how do you access that kind of thing? And, you know, it just takes, I have to be really warmed up. <laughs> yeah. And what about teachers? How do you, how do you connect? I mean, you must have connected very strongly with some teachers in your oh, life. Oh man. How do you find teachers that know how to train your voice in a way that's healthy? And I mean, there aren't that many countertenors. There aren't, there aren't. I think that what we're seeing now is that there has been such a resurgence. Uh, and I can almost say that. I don't want to say the resurgence is over. I just feel like we're still in it. We're still in this blossoming, this mm-hmm. blooming of finding that there are more voices that are suitable 
for the countertenor repertoire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are some teachers who are afraid to teach countertenors because they don't mm-hmm. really know what right. to teach. Sure. And some who, who delve right into it without question, like, okay, yes, I can do this. And for me, I've only studied with female teachers because I, I relate more to them. That's right. And I also feel like they have, in a way, something really extraordinary to offer you know, in terms of what they see and what they hear in, in the voice. And mm-hmm. what I've done is I mostly have studied with mezzos. My undergrad teacher was a soprano who who I credit with, you know, really giving me a great foundation and mm-hmm. wonderful skills, mm-hmm. wonderful um, etiquette in terms of what it means to be a great colleague mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and study ethic, you know, like what it means to really know to your show music. show up prepared. show up prepared. That's it. And you so, don't want to be the weakest link in the oh, room. Oh, I, I don't sure. want to be. And that's not, you know, I'm very much so an Aries, so I have to always be leading. <laughs> uh, and it's important for me to never show up unprepared. If I do, I feel oftentimes, if I if I did show up bad, I'd feel really awful. Sure, sure. Um, but I have studied with two mezzos, Karen Likes at the University of Cincinnati, uh, and I studied with Marlena Malice oh, sure. at the Juilliard School, yes, mm-hmm. uh, when I was there. And both Karen, I feel like she just took my voice and changed it so it, I don't know, not not changed it, but it was like amazing what she was able to do. Does she make you feel years. okay, like confident about singing oh, in that yes. way? Is I, that a big I part of it? I was listening to, mm-hmm. and, you know, because I still have, I had an iPhone then. Mm-hmm. And so because I had my iPhone when I was in grad school, I still have all of my recordings for my voice lessons because I record everything. Sure. And so just yesterday I was listening to one of the exercises that I was doing. I was like, oh, I haven't done that in a while. I probably should do that kind of <laughs> exercise to warm up and thought, I wonder what that exercise was for. And I was one of those kind of students because I've always enjoyed teaching and it's a part of my life in terms of my, I come from a family of teachers. I see. Okay. Um, so, in music? Or? In, 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 no, uh, English, uh-huh. uh, you know, literature, sociology, social sciences and mm-hmm. things like that mm-hmm. in high school and stuff like that and where I'm from in Houston. And so mm-hmm. it was really important for me whenever I do a warm up or we do something, I say, well, what does that warm up do? And what are we doing? What is yeah. this? What's what does a, this help? Yeah. Um, What's so the pedagogy I, behind it, this? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just so that I could know for myself, like, oh, that's what it's doing. And then I... Um, would come up with another thing that it would help, you know, while sure. we're doing it. I'm like, oh, well, this helps this for me. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I find that the mezzos that I've studied with and sopranos that I've studied well, with have so much range, to offer. Right? It's the same range, right? It's the same range Yeah, it really is. There's something about their voices and, and, and my voice and probably every other countertenor's voice that is so, so similar that it really is integral to the development i think right to study with someone who a little bit that sounds like you and they can demonstrate and they they can demonstrate what they want you Mm -hmm. know i was lucky that i i that my teachers mostly spoke and then if they needed to demonstrate they could Mm -hmm. i think oftentimes there are some singers who if they hear someone they try to imitate the sound instead of doing it themselves and once they get it right not repeating the sound but repeating the, the feeling and the mm-hmm. sensation. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. So mm-hmm. you said that you're teaching now. How uh, are you in? Uh, are you in Houston teaching? Where no, are you teaching? I was in Houston when I was here last time. That's correct. I lived in Houston. I oh, you don't live in Houston. I don't anymore. live in Houston anymore. I live in New York. But you just bought a. I had just. just built a, a, I, it was a mega. Yeah. What, house. what happened? Well, I as I said, I've really all my adult life and even as a young teen. This is my background. When I was in high school. My teacher that taught chorus for high school, God bless her, she was phenomenal. She was a phenomenal teacher, but she 
would not teach to junior high. Mm -hmm. Not because she didn't want to. It was just too much for her. Mm -hmm. And so what she did, and the principal of my high school allowed it. He's he's no longer the principal, so he can't get in trouble. (laughs) But uh, Mr. Wentland was his name. Mr. Walt Wentland was the principal. And she went to him and said, John can teach the junior high school choir. And um, and so (laughs) this is going to be so bad. I, I was supposed to be taking speech. But the speech teacher and the health teacher, I would take I would take my exams. I would show up and get my notes, and mm-hmm. they would let me just take my exams in high school. And so would the speech teacher. And so during that time of the, the day was the time of day where the junior high school top choir met. Aha. Uh-huh. So, so they I all taught, conspired. They all conspired. So <laughs> I taught junior high school chorus during my senior year of high school. Wow. Uh, and it was just... It was just in me. I love teaching. Yeah. And so as things would have it, there was a position that opened up at Ithaca College in Ithaca, New York. Since um, I saw you last. Since you saw me last. It's my first year on faculty. I'm an assistant professor of voice at Ithaca wow. College. And I teach primarily classical singers. Uh, and I have some musical theater singers who are amazing because Ithaca College has a phenomenal Ithaca, uh, musical theater uh-huh. program. Uh, and I teach you know, some students who are uh, Bachelor of Arts degrees with an emphasis in voice, mm-hmm. jazz, because that's mm-hmm. a big part of my life, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just seemed to me I had a friend that was teaching there um, who also went to CCM with me. We both she got her master's degree a year earlier than uh, I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and subsequently, she went to Portland um, Opera and was a, um, a studio artist there. Was that with uh, Mataliano? Is he still there? He's still there, yeah. yes. He's still yeah. there. Um, and then she's there now at Ithaca College. And there was a position that came open. And I remember emailing her and saying, do you think this would be great for me? Or do you, do you enjoy <laughs> you know, do you know, enjoy being there? And I just said, it just seems to be the position that fit me. because they the were, stars. Yeah. They were looking for someone that sang classical music, that sang jazz, who had this these experiences. And I thought, well, I'm going to apply. And so I did, and I, and I got the job. Now, I'm, I'm the youngest person there on, on faculty. But, do but you mind if I ask how old you are? I am 30. I'll be 31 on March 31st. Holy shit. And so, so <laughs> wow. I, I, I have uh, been really blessed to have this opportunity to impart the knowledge that was given to me by other professors sure. to, these, to the new generation of what I know is going to be fantastic concert and opera singers and musical theater singers and i'm blessed to be able to have the network that they need to reach out to people you know should they be in need of agents and Mm -hmm. and those kind of opportunities i feel really in a really great position to help them and having been a teacher so far has really helped me. Every time that I have taught, because in between, I went to IU for a year, and I mm-hmm. hated being in Bloomington. Loved Indiana University. I just hated Bloomington. Was this between and I left. CCM This and... was between my, my undergrad, which I did at Southern Methodist University in uh-huh. Dallas, Texas. Uh-huh. Go Mustangs. <laughs> I went after there. I went to IU, and I did a year, and I just hated being there. Okay, sure. And I thought, this is not good for my spirit. I'm mm-hmm. going to leave, and so I left IU after a year, and I went and I taught junior high school primarily oh. and high school voice. Back, back uh, and, in Houston? And back in Houston uh-huh. at the high school that I had oh, matriculated nice. through. Oh, that's nice. And so while I was there, I was really lucky to be able to touch a lot of lives, mm-hmm. uh, and God, I think, put me there for a reason. And then I left there, and I think it made me a better singer. And, and then that's student. when you went to CCM. This is when I went to CCM and got From my there. master's, and then from there I went to Juilliard. I see. Yeah. 
So I love it. I love being. So what a happened to the house in Texas? How'd we you, sold the house. Move? Oh, it was so heartbreaking. heartbreaking. Yeah, oh my right? gosh! Because you know I was so proud of my I house. I know, and you'd ordered a car. Uh, yes, and it sent out yes, the whole I had thing. it sent up. It yes, all, I was telling my up. friends just recently. I was like, oh, I said Omar is the one that told me where my car would be at. <laughs> I went to Pasadena and got me an Audi A7. <laughs> fell in love with it, and subsequently put plates on it that read Texas Baroque. <laughs> so uh, I. I don't know. I loved I loved being in Houston and um, close I, to your family. My family and, was all yeah, there right. at that at that time. My father was you know he had been in an accident, I'd heard, and yeah, it was I'm really important for me. And I know that's yeah. totally fine. It's Thank terrible. you. Thank you very much. Uh, my father had been in a severe accident, and it was important for me to be near my family because I felt like my family needed me and mm-hmm. and I needed them of course um, to lean on. And so I went home. And after a while, I thought my grandmother who is, you know, my heart and so is my mother. So make sure she hears that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're both my heart. But my grandmother, I my grandmother has been kind of sick lately and I asked Chris said, you know, Big Mom, do you think I should go and take this job? Uh, and she said, I think that you have and this for her to say this, it's significant and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. She said, if you really enjoy this job and you think that you can make a difference, I think that you'd be silly to not take it. And for her to say that to me meant that she had given me her blessing and that she was okay, she was okay. That's right. with me having to be away because we have, we're very close. And so I took that job. Uh, and like I said, I still I, I think about my house all the time. And I, we, we sold it to a, a wonderful family who's in it now, and I, and I that's know nice that they're know. enjoying yeah, it. That's really nice. Uh, and I have subsequently now just closed on a house in Ithaca, New York. So we'll make that ours until until one day I move to Los Angeles, which that's is right. my, which oh, is my goal. Wouldn't that be great? So yeah. What about your husband? What does he do that he can just move? My from here husband to there? is in the oil industry, uh-huh. and he is a senior surveyor. So he's one of the guys that goes out. He goes out anyway, and he checks you know the rigs to make sure they're safe for deployment. Um, so it doesn't and, matter where. He so it doesn't matter really. where he's at. They can fly him anywhere in the world. I see. And for a while, when we were in Houston, he was going back and forth to um, uh, South Korea. Uh-huh. Is that right? Yes, doing some things in Korea, and then also in Singapore. And he's been. And over how did you guys meet? Where we? we met through a friend in Houston, mm-hmm. and we met almost six years ago. While I was teaching my last my last semester, which I didn't know then was my last semester of teaching until I resigned to go and finish my master's, it was just on my heart to finish my master's. Uh-huh. Uh, we met that year, so that was in two thousand nine. So I guess almost seven years, you know, coming up. Um, in August, we had met and we just talked and is he, is had a, he a similar classical friend. music. Oh no, fan, no, 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 no. He is now. Uh, sure, he sure. is now. But and I think uh, being with me has opened his eyes and ears to to classical music. We're on mm-hmm. the plane, you know, flying here, and he's listening to recordings of me. I'm like, oh, please turn the recording <laughs> off, or you know, listen to somebody else. Uh, but I'm really lucky to have someone in my life who really. Seems so supportive, So supportive and cares about me and wants me to succeed. So I'm lucky that that I have found that. um, This is a hard business. It is very uh, hard. I mean, to to even do under those circumstances. Oh, yeah. um, And I'm always surprised at how there's so much backbiting and mm-hmm. you have to, you have to be, I mean, I think you and I are similar in that mm-hmm. I, I, I turn my back on that type of behavior I and mm-hmm. uh, I, I really prefer to, 
uh, cultivate happiness. I Me guess, too. It's important. It yeah. I think when you know when you're away from your family, if you have to be away from your family for a long period of time, you want to be with people who are not only like minded, but people who are kind. That's right. And you want to make sure that your kindness breeds kindness, That's right. not only to you but to others. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important for me when I'm in a working situation to make myself available and and put myself mm-hmm. and say, hey, you're here. How we're here you, together. You're here together. Mm-hmm. How can you make this better? What can you add? Mm-hmm. What can you take away from this? And how can you make this job as rewarding and exactly. fun as it should be? Yeah. I mean, so what I we like do to is have spread. Uh, we, we, for me, I, I've always thought that music um, is shows the, the well, I should say the arts in general. Mm-hmm. But music in particular for me shows the best of humanity. Oh, man. I, the I completely agree. The best of what we can do as the human animal mm-hmm. and what we can accomplish. It, mm-hmm. uh, it's just, you know, there's no I better agree. reason to do it. Yeah, And I so agree. the people that I occasionally run into, luckily our business, I feel, is full of mostly people like us. Yes. But you do run into the Every now and then. Every now and then. then. Somebody throws a fit or, you know, and and I just, I've never understood that. And what I found out when, and you know, to play the devil's advocate, what I have found is when someone has complained or is throwing a fit, it's generally because there is a loss of quality control. Like they don't feel like they have control of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And the the basis behind that is that they really want to be the best at what they're doing. But oftentimes it comes across as like, oh, this person point. is like being difficult. And so I have had friends who've, who've been like that. Uh, and I know that they're kind people. Uh-huh. And I just know that when they're going through that, it's because they feel like they have no control. That's they've a good lost, perspective. They've lost everything. They've lost every bit of control that they once had. That's right. So it's important to keep that in mind. And especially when you're traveling on the road a lot and you're away from your family. Oh, it's the one thing so, about you hmm. that you have is your voice, your body. And if you feel like you have no control over it, you know, you oftentimes you have nothing left. And you just it. you just kind of can spiral. Luckily, mm-hmm. I have not been in that situation. But there have been friends and colleagues of mine who have. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And you now, just pray for them and keep on going. Boy, isn't that so. the truth. <laughs> now, earlier you mentioned about uh, um, singing jazz. Now, I do yes. know just from chatting with you that you do mm-hmm. um, an annual Christmas I do. jazz concert. I do. Now that you, still you live remember in, that, huh? Yeah. Now that you, now that you live in Ithaca. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something you'll continue oh, to yes. do? Oh, yes. I, I do it every year. I see. We did it last year. We didn't do it in the main theater because I wanted to have a more intimate um, concert with people who were near and dear to me. Mm-hmm. And so we took it back to its roots, which were... Yeah, when did it start? It started ooh, four years ago in my friend Nikai Bay and Kristen Yost's house mm-hmm. in their home. It was just like, oh, we're going to get together. We're going to sing. And we just put together a thing and invited people in, in the house was filled with people that were near and just dear. friends, sure. Friends. Mm-hmm. And Family, so uh-huh. it started from there. And so last year we repeated that. Um, we did charge tickets to get in, but it was more of an intimate feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this coming year, uh, or sorry, the year that we're in right now, currently 2016, mm-hmm. my hope is to re, you know, rebook that space that we normally did it in, which is the Kessler Theater. And you had a band. We and have a, whole thing. a full big band. And wow. my goal is to now have a bit of an orchestra, a chamber orchestra, sometimes to play through things and so i'm in, in kind of in in limbo with trying to decide if i want to make some of my jazz arrangements classical arrangements uh-huh so that's my next goal but right now being in ithaca uh i'm in a really awesome 
position because I'm really close to New York City. Sure. And I'm also close, I'm very close to Cooperstown, which is where Glimmerglass Opera is held. Mm-hmm. And so Francesca Zambello, who is now, I can say, really a dear friend of mine, um, has instituted even more amazing opportunities for the audiences to enjoy a, a plethora of different music mm-hmm. at the Glimmer Glass Festival. Mm-hmm. She asked me to do the holiday experience at the Glimmer Glass You're Festival. Kidding. So I'm going to go back this year to do the, the holiday experience in, at the Glimmer Glass Festival, and it's called the Holiday Experience One Night Only. Uh, and so we do it there. And then um, I'll be back at Glimmer Glass uh, in a coming season for... Uh, a work that's coming up, which I won't announce till they announce, but I will be back in 2017. That's fantastic. Um, which is what it's, that's that's what's scheduled. So we'll see what happens. That, yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. And then that, in, and then in Dallas, that leads it. me to my next question. Do you mm-hmm. have um, have you noticed uh, an uptick in the types of repertoire that accommodates your voice as mm-hmm. you've come up through school? Because I remember I started. I started singing and studying classical music mm-hmm. probably 20 years ago, 25 mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. ago, right when countertenors kind of made, a, made it a reappearance yeah. um, mm-hmm. in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really had no idea what a countertenor was until yeah. the Dave, you know, David Daniels came around yeah. and uh, Brian Asawa and yeah, those Brian. guys. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I went to school with a guy named Vince Yee. Who, okay, I know uh, Vince. He of was, Vince. He, yeah, he was at Cal State Fullerton with me. And mm-hmm. that we had two countertenors. And so from the time that I started... Mm-hmm. Until I got into college, it had exploded. And I'm wondering, is mm-hmm. that still, do you find that it's still expanding? Is there still a I thirst think, for it? I or? think that there, you know, my, my heart says that there's a thirst for it. And I think that if you, it, if you go to different parts of the world, there's an uptick. And then it might be something that seems like it gets, like there's a level. A saturation. Yeah, a saturation or, uh-huh. that happens. Or, or there's a part where, you know, it, like there's a plateau for a moment, then it'll, re, it'll pick up again. Mm-hmm. So I think that we're lucky that in different parts of the world, yes, it's going on. And then in America, there is an uptick in it. You know, for, for me, you know, like this season, there's not, I, don't, I won't say there's not anything coming up. There are things that are coming up, uh, especially in, you know, the, the 16, 17 season. So, you know, there might be an off year where you may not see a lot right. of Baroque music, right. but there are still Baroque ensembles um, who specialize in Baroque music yes. uh, and will oftentimes record Baroque operas and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and everything like that. So I have seen that there is still a desire to hear to hear that. And now, so is there a champion of that music kind of like, you know, uh, Richard Bonning and his wife, mm-hmm. you know, really brought bel canto repertoire mm-hmm. to the world. It was as obscure as mm-hmm. Baroque repertoire is yeah. now mm-hmm. back then and, you know, obviously it helped make Pavarotti famous and mm-hmm. it made Donizetti famous mm-hmm. again and Rossini famous again when the people really weren't listening to that repertoire. True, that's very is true. there is there a, a champion for for uh, obs- which I would consider to be still obscure it in is, the mainstream. In a way it is. I would say that I have found oftentimes that a lot of the festivals will do that they really as do an addition to the, in addition to mm-hmm. you know they do a wonderful uh, um, display of opera that is baroque hmm. and then you have opera houses in America that are doing I mean. Uh, they're doing Akhenaten here next right. next uh, season mm-hmm. with Anthony Rothkostanzo, who is also a friend of mine. Um, and so I know now that's not it's not particularly Baroque; it's modern music with Philip Glass. Um, 
but it is something that is employing, you know, a countertenor voice. Sure. Um, and a lot of Philip Glass's music does have the countertenor voice in it. Uh, and you'll find that a lot of modern composers um, are writing for the countertenor voice. But yes, the Metropolitan Opera does early music. Houston Grand Opera does early mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. Chicago Lyric does mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. San Francisco Opera does it. The LA Opera does it. Sure. And so my my feeling is that it is there. People still see it as a viable option for music. And it's for music uh, with the number of uh, Baroque singers. That True. Are, I would imagine that the, the ratio is pretty... It's yeah. pretty even. You find yourself working a lot, is what I'm yes, saying. Yes, yes. Uh, because there are only a I'm, few of I'm you. I'm lucky. You know, I feel, you know, and, and not even just lucky. I feel blessed to be able to do it. Um, you know, when someone calls on me to do something, I feel really honored to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I don't get called, that's fine. I hope I do. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I do get called, it's just such an, such an excitement that builds up. Mm-hmm. And it makes me so thrilled to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. When I, whenever I get the opportunity to go and sing for anyone, when I was here in Los Angeles, my main goal was that my singing would reach someone. And that, it, that you know, I, I pray before I go out every night. And for a while I had, not stage fright, but I would get really nervous, you mm-hmm. know. And as a singer, you begin to get nervous because you want everything, you want every night to be as good as the night before. Sure. And what I realized at my age, and it's, I'm still very young, is that every night is going to be as good as the other night if you allow yourself to just rest in the fact that you are as prepared as you're going to be and that God will do the rest. And so every night I come out before the show and my dressing room, and I always say, I can do any good thing through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. And I would ask God, I just ask him to let my portrayal be a portrayal of a sorceress, but to allow the audience somehow to relate to either the beauty in my singing or mm-hmm. something within me mm-hmm. that lets them know that there is more to me than just the sorceress. That's and right. so when I and it takes the pressure role, off of you personally. It it's it not does. it's not John going out no, there it's to not. do this I was, thing. No, I was I was really in my mind I was really the sorceress. That's right. And I didn't know that I could play so, I mean I got chills right now. I, oh, it was, it was I amazing. didn't know that I could play that kind of role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't know Really, what I was doing, I was like, Lord, I don't know what a sorceress is. I mean, I know what I think it is. Sure. And so I just took that thought and I morphed it into something that worked for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that worked in my favor. It sure did. But it's it's been something I have not, you know, it's, you know, I have, when I was here at Los Angeles Opera, I had such an amazing time. And I think that that helped. I mean, I really do have an affinity for Los Angeles, yeah, yeah. which is why I'm here this weekend. Where you know, my birthday is at the very end of the month, and my my best friend, um, her birthday's on on the 31st, and my other best friend, her birthday's on the 7th of March. So we decided we're going to go to Los Angeles, you know, just to celebrate and just enjoy. But it was being here at Los Angeles Opera that really opened that door. And if I had any place to be in life, like I feel like I really like Los Angeles. It's going to be was that a your place first... I probably will retire to or come at some point. Was that your first trip to L.A.? It was my first. No, my first trip to L.A. was the, um, I, my first trip to Los Angeles was in 1997 as a little boy in a boys' choir. I'd come here, either the American Boys' Choir or somebody is here. There's a really famous boys' choir that's close by, uh-huh. either in San Francisco or something. But we were, we were in L.A. because we were going through, we were going up to the top. Uh-huh. We went from Oregon down to 
and I think we finished in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. But um, I was a little boy then. I think I was probably 13 or I 12 see. or something. Um, so I don't remember much about it from from that time because mm-hmm. it was a, a perspective of a child. But so as I an remember adult. it. But as an adult, it was my very first time wow. coming was when I came and I won uh, third place at Placido Domingo's Operalia. Right. So, and then coming back and working. I mean, it's just my life was changed, really. I don't even know how to really explain it because I didn't know that I'd like LA as much, but it just fits my personality. It sure does. You know, so it really and we're does. A ni- I'm, I'm not going to brag. Well, I'm going to brag. We're a nice crew at LA oh, Opera. Oh, man. Everybody's uh, so kind. I, I, you know. Hi, LA Opera. We, I love you. <laughs> well, I feel, I'm very fortunate to work there as much yes. as I do as well. I mean, it's, it's my home. So yes. um, I wanted to ask you, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you focus on uh, Baroque repertoire. Mm-hmm. Do you ever... Um, and I'm sorry if I don't know this, but no, do you okay. ever perform bel canto repertoire? Do you have any desire? No, to No, bel canto repertoire. I mean, wouldn't be. You know, let me take. Let me say this. While I know that bel canto is an era of music, what I have taken that to mean, other than that era, is beautiful singing. That's right, of course. And literally. so I would like to think that I do sing bel canto. That I do you have do. a beautiful singing you voice. Do. I'm talking about the, the repertoire it, but I know the of Donatetti. Yes. No, I do Bellini. not sing Donatetti. And Be- no, no, no. Um, it just, it's not appropriate for my voice type. I see. Um, but I would like to think I could. And emotionally, you don't have a, pr- I mean, you relate to those types oh, of Oh, I could definitely, sure. too. You know, I think, I mean, I, I would love to, I mean, just experiment with some things sometimes, you know. Uh-huh. When I was younger, I, I would love how at the very end of the vibrato that they would kind of speed it up a little bit and things like that. So, um, I wonder as you get older and your voice maybe lowers a little mm-hmm. bit, if that's something you would consider. Well, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. You know, we'll, I am really about not closing myself off to any opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really important for me to stay level headed mm-hmm. um, and also remain open. Mm-hmm. I think the moment that you close yourself off, I went to church this morning and there was a phenomenal message, and it was just like, you know, just remember the things that you've always had, those goals that you've had in mind for yourself. The moment that you close yourself off to that, you know, it doesn't, you, you don't allow God the space to work in your favor. Right. And so what, what I really believe is that I have to keep myself open. That's right. I have to keep myself open spiritually and my arms, like, you know, just open for God's blessings to just happen and manifest in my life. So I will not say no to something like that. I don't know if I would ever do anything like that. That's right. But um, who knows? Maybe somebody crazy will say we need a countertenor to come and sing. Nemorino, uh, right. A bel canto role or right, something. Right, right, right. Well, my grandma always used to say, um, always say yes yeah. because you can always change your mind. That's true. That's true. You know, if That's you say no, true. you can't change your mind. You can't change your mind. That's it's it. hard. That's it's hard. It. Yeah. Well, listen, John, I've, uh, it was really nice to see you. You too, Omar. Thank you for carving out a little bit of your time with well, your thanks for coming on your trip, and yes. uh, I sure hope we stay in touch. Thanks, we brother. will, and I hope I come back out here sometime. Me so. too. Thanks, yeah. brother. Thanks.